0: Um, for those who weren't here last week, we um, have begun our series looking in Haggai, and we looked at Haggai chapter 1, and God has led me to look at the months that was sp- been specified within the, the book of Haggai, this, um, this pr- wonderful prophetic book, which is a book for the moment, it's a book for now, both for OCF and for the church worldwide. And in Haggai, um, the month of Elul, the sixth month, was a month of being single-minded. That word has come out again and again and again, a small group. Can was talking about being intentional we need to start our year with an intentionality to be single-minded about our walk and our pursuit of God. And, and, I, and I've been doing that, but things pull us away, don't, don't they? You know, things take over sometimes. But we need to be intentional um, and single-minded. Um, and that requires, in the month of Elal, the month of Elal in the Hebrew calendar is a month of repentance and of reflection. And in Haggai chapter 1, he says, Give careful thought to your ways. And that doesn't mean just like quickly glide over and think, yeah, I'm okay, off I go. But it's actually really, really, doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian a thousand years, whether you're the senior leader of Ormskirk Christian Fellowship or some great prophet somewhere. God says, give careful thought to your ways. Where are you? Does death still have a grip on you? Is there still something of the past which is still clinging on that needs to be dealt with? Because I do it gently and I do it powerfully. And God is going to do that, but you know, that, that, that requires some effort from us. Uh, God says, give careful thought to your ways. Instead of thinking about your circumstances or about the, the, the school and moving from one building and, and getting get knocked down and everything else, that's, you know, all the different issues that you may have in your life. Instead of thinking about your circumstances, your houses, your burdens, your idols. In Haggai, it says that they were bothered about their oak-panelled houses when the house of the Lord was being left to ruin. They'd got to the place of building a foundation, good start, and then given up because they have been discouraged by the people around them. So instead of thinking about our idols, and that idol is not necessarily a golden calf you've carved, but maybe it's work or maybe it's something else. It's anything that's taken the place of God in your life. You know, that song that we sang before, I will make room for you. That's what it's about, isn't it? Because if we haven't, if we've pushed God out of that room and that space that he once had in our lives, something replaces it, something will replace it, and that is the idol. And for me, it was work, you know, just obsessed with trying to do a really good job, and that sounds great, doesn't it? But when it's the only thing I'm thinking, when when I should be having a quiet time, and all I'm thinking about is answering emails, that's not a great place to be in. And so, you know, I've made that commitment. And we all need to say, well, okay, where, where are you in all of that? Because we can get lost, can't we? We and God with us can get lost in all of this. Um, and we need to get back to him. So I've, been, I've stopped overthinking and I've started drinking. Um, <laughs> just declaring out the memory of it. I praise God that all those years ago I started learning some scriptures And just to be able to just quote them, I mean, they've really sustained me. I really encourage you to do that. And I know there's some people that I can't do that. I'm not very good at that sort of thing. I'm not very good. I've been trying to, I want to learn Psalm 18. And I've I've been really trying this week. And, you know, the words keep slipping out of my head. Uh, But I'm going to keep going because it's such a powerful psalm. And so I've got these psalms that are a bank of memory verses that I have. And I just say them in the car on the way to work. It's really built me up, massively built me up. And then when I've come home at night, what I've been doing is just getting my Bible open. Um, we've prayed with Adrian, whatever it might be, just doing something really God-focused. And then on Wednesday night, and um, I mean, Cameron said this, and one or two people said, we were really tired, weren't we? We were tired on Wednesday. And it, and, um, it was like, oh, only a couple of people could make it. All of a sudden, there's us in our little cozy house, which is, I love our little cozy. It was like, oh, such a lovely little cozy. Packed out with people, and how good is that? And we just prayed for one another, Sue led the worship. We talked about being intentional and so many other things that really built us up. Um, and it was so good on Friday night when we had a worship meeting and Steve um, came along and prophesied. And God's saying, I'm going to move in this place. Spirit of God, I'm going to move in this place. And there was prophetic words, and Chris shared a fantastic um, prophetic word, which I'm writing all these down. I've got a book now for my 24 hour. I'm writing down prophetic words. If you have a prophetic word for the church, email me or, or Chris or let us know, and I'm going to put it down in this book and, um, and just look back at it. Because w- one thing we need to do, this is the time of prophecy, and we need to value the prophets. It says in our daily Bible reading, the Bible app, which is something we started to do, um, and I've been getting into that as well. It's been really good. Um, and, it, and it says... Uh, welcome the prophet as a prophet and you'll be re- re- rewarded a prophet's reward. Um, and what that means is that, that when you value the prophet, you will be rewarded with the word of God. The word of God will come into your into your lives, into your church. So if you if you acknowledge, rather than just dismiss it and say, oh yeah, that was great, I can't remember it next week, write it down, value it, pray it through. When, sh- when Karen shared last week about sing- being single-minded, that was a prophetic word for us. Are we living it? Are we, are we obeying it? Because that's what the people of... Haggai's time eventually did. They, it says they obeyed the word of the Lord, and then it says, we'll talk in a minute, the spirit of God fell and stirred them up, and the, and the work of the Lord began on the house. So are, are, we, are we, I know we joke about the think less to drink more, but that's a prophetic word. Are we living that? Are we living out the prophetic words? Um, so I'm really grateful to our small group because it got me through a difficult day the next day. And Adrian last week, as part of that prophetic word, um, talked about untethering ourselves Remember that, untethering ourselves from the old ways and hooking ourselves into the new ways of God. And that's something that we need to do. You get to my age, and I'm not really old. You know, I'm, I'm quite young, aren't I, really? But <laughs> things are just starting to creak a bit, that's all. And um, you get to a certain stage, you think, I'm in my habits now. Nothing can change. This is just the way I am. And, um, and, and that's not true. That's not, God's got new, absolutely new things for me, for you. Wherever you're at, whatever's happened. So, Adrian talked about that. that Sometimes we can slip into this kind of self pity or emotional exhaustion. So many times last year, I was saying, I'm tired. Adrian said, How are you? I'm tired. Yeah, I'm exhausted. And genuinely, I was. And I am. You know, we are. But, but, but it's, it, there's a difference between being tired and having no spiritual energy and having spiritual energy and being tired. And when you've got that spiritual energy, um, then you can scale a wall. You can advance against a troop. Um, but this emotional exhaustion, the feeling overwhelmed, God wants something better for us in 2024. And the verse for yesterday was um, Isaiah 43, see I am doing a new thing. I love, I love Psalm 18. The thing that started me wanting to read Psalm 18, Don't I'll get into Haggai in a minute. Psalm 18 verse 35 Um, It says in my version of the NIV, it's slightly different than others, it says, you stoop down to make me great. I love that. You stoop down to make me great. We're we're, we're so humble, aren't we, but I loved what Aniakin was praying out there. Let's have a confidence in God. You stoop down. It is when we look to God, and I I just imagine this picture of God in his throne room with all his power and all of his authority stooping down. How can we not be great if he's doing that, if he's stooping down and lifting us up? How can we not be great? And God wants us to find a new God-focused confidence to go up into the mountain, it says in Haggai chapter 1, and bring down God's timber instead of trying to build with the damp, useless timber from the valley that we've been trying to build with where we are. And that means making some effort. It doesn't mean that God's not with you in the valley, but when he says go up into the mountain to bring down timber, it means put some effort in to your walk with God. Be intentional. Get single-minded put in some effort doesn't mean there's no grace there and there are times when God is gracious and yeah we haven't put any effort in and God will still be gracious to us but there is a stirring up in the book of Haggai for us to put in effort into our walk with him so often when we trip or we get halted on our tracks the enemy will use that against us because he wants the work of God in our lives to stand still He said in Ezra chapter 4 verse 24 which is the time of Haggai the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill because of fear. There are times when God will surround us with circumstances or do things or maybe it's something that we've done wrong ourselves and the the enemy wants us to stand still. That's his sole purpose really. He can't stop us being saved. We're already saved. He just wants us to stand still. He just wants us to not do anything because when we stand still, we start to slip back a bit and we start to go into the things which are not of God He wants us to stand still and for us to lose confidence in ourselves and God. And the enemy whispers, you can't come back from this. You'll never achieve anything more. But God says, yes, you can. God says, yes, you can. God says, yes, you can with me. God says that we need to begin to believe. He says, believe in you and me. Believe in you and me. Not to you to me, that's something different. In you in this me. And and I just God showed me this this last week that God will turn our setbacks into steps forward. So those setbacks that we have had in our lives, those things that, that we kind of think, this is something I can't recover from. This is something that I can't survive. This is and I've, I'll be honest with you, I said that to Adrian about COVID, you know, and, and managing all of that. And I've had exhausted and dealing with the school and obviously with church and everything else. And all the, you know, nine o'clock on Sunday night, I can't come in, I've got COVID. How do I find a teacher? All that sort of thing. And I said to Adrian, I don't know if I can recover from this. I was being honest, you know, very quite emotional about it. I don't know if I can recover from this. And that was just the enemy lying. Because all of these setbacks that we have in our lives are an opportunity for us to get back into God again and say, Lord, I've got nothing of me left. And suddenly, when we begin to look to him, they become steps forward. Every time they become a step forward. And it just links into the picture that Chris had on, a, on Friday night, and I won't say this right because I'm not a baker, but the baking decorating needle, nail, sorry, nail, and there's a nail that goes into the cake, and there's a flat surface on the top, and this nail, this, this kind of nail, doesn't sound great, does it, when you talk about cakes, a nail and a cake, but it's a nail, and on the top is a platform, and you pipe icing onto it to make beautiful flowers. If you've seen one of Chris's cakes, you know what I'm talking about. And then, um, but the picture was of Jesus holding the nail. Wow, to start with. Jesus holding that pain. Jesus holding that. And then God just piping, icing something beautiful on it. Is that right, Chris? Yeah. And God, and, and, and at the end, Chris was saying, You know, if you just get given something on a plate, you don't really appreciate it, do you? Oh, yeah, that's nice. But when it's something that comes out of pain, out of a step, a setback, and God is doing something beautiful in your life, beauty from ashes, then it's so much more beautiful, so much more. And that is what God is doing in some people's lives right now. Right now, God is doing that, and, and we pray that God is doing that. So, um, have a chat with Chris a bit later on if you want Chris to unpack that word a little bit more. If it's something that maybe respond you respond to and you want Chris to pray with you. Um, I love last week, I talked about, um, you know, when people say, oh, typical, when something goes wrong as though that's, that's the story of your life. Story of my life. And <laughs> Dave came up to me afterwards, Dave Smith, and was saying, that's not the story of my life. The story of my life is that something looks really not great and God turns it around as something amazing. We're talking about Mason and... and and all of that we need a new story you know the story of your life is that things always go wrong there's always disaster there's always trauma let's turn it around let's have a new story and the new story the story of my life is that god breaks in god pipes something beautiful on top of the pain amen so it's so it's so powerful we need to reassert our authority in god in 2024, but there's a process and it starts with giving careful thought to our ways in lull, with reflection with repentance, with response, and I've been doing a lot of that this week, lots of repentance one of my favourite psalms of all, Psalm 1 Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, I kind of glide over that oh, well that's not me, and God is saying, no it has been you, there has been times when you've mocked people, maybe not mocked but you've like criticised or something a little bit of a niggle there, they don't work as hard as I do you know, something like that Sometimes we do, we sit in that, or we, we, work, we live by the counsel of the wicked. In other words, when we're not listening to God, who are we? Well, we're listening to somebody. If you're not listening to God, you're listening to somebody else. You don't listen to a vacuum. We're living in the counsel of, of the wicked. And so this week, God wants to maybe just continue to touch on you. What are the things in your life that he wants you to repent of? And when I say repent, repent is a powerful, wonderful, beautiful thing. It means... You need faith for repentance. It just means you can turn around and have another start. That's what repentance is. It's a joyful beginning. Um, but it can be painful. So, Haggai chapter 1. And I'm just going to finish off in... in thir- thir- I did read this last week. But let's start with um, verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shaltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty their God on the 24th day of the sixth month. So we're still in Elal, And I love this stirring. There is a stirring. Can you sense it? Yeah. There is a stirring across the world. Yeah. There is a stirring in God's church. And the word stirred here is the Hebrew word ur, uh, you are, er. Uh, um, which means to open eyes. It means to, to excite a passion. And a commitment, it means to awaken. It's used in Psalm 108, verse 2, um, when it says, Awake, harp and lyre, I will awaken uh, the dawn. So we, we're just going to listen to this shofar. The shofar was, was blown daily during the month of Elul. Um, but it was also blown during the holiest days of Ethanim. So the seventh month, which we're going to talk about in a minute or two, is the month of ethnim, or it's called Tishrei sometimes. But that's a Babylonian word. The, the, the ethnonym is the Hebrew word. And, and it was blown as a way of saying, come on, be single-minded. It's a way of saying, wake up to God in your lives. And there were three specific things. In Exodus chapter 19, the shofar was blown when um, you know, Moses was up the mountain. He came down with the tablets of stone and, and then um, and God wanted to meet with His people, and there was this massive like thunder and shaking of the earth, and the shofar was heard from heaven, and the people trembled. And God said, Come and meet with me, which was a bit scary. But it's a it's a it's a, a call to meet with God. That's the first thing. The second thing a shofar is is found is it's blown at the beginning of the jubilee, in a Jubilee year. It announces the Jubilee year, the year of freedom from debt. It announces freedom and return. So the shofar is blown both as a come and meet with me. It's blown as a freedom. We declare freedom in our lives. And also it was blown um, to signify a call to battle and war. And it was blown. You remember when Joshua uh, went to Jericho? And they went around Jericho and the um, shofar was blown and the walls came down. God wants to do that um, in our lives. He wants a shofar to be blown. And I felt that God was saying um, that the shofar for us is the word of God. It is the worship. You know, we believe fully and strongly that that's why we have the worship nights. Because worship leads that way. It brings down the walls. But it's also the worship with prophecy. So it's prayer-filled worship and worship-filled prayer. So the prophetic word also awakens the church. And that's why God is saying to us, we need to value the prophets in our church. And there are people sat here who maybe haven't, haven't felt that, you've uttered a prophetic word, but you're prophets you've got a prophetic gifting within you and it may be um, rooted in the word of God it may be pictures, it may be there's different. you can have a chat with Adrienne, I'm going to try and get Adrienne to do a bit of teaching on this at some point because she's had that much, time. we pay so much money for to get a teacher we need to, she needs to share it so, <laughs> but it's so exciting the prophetic word sets people free um, and so this, this shofar was blown as a way of saying awakening, so we're going we're gonna to just do a little bit more and I'm sorry I'm, I'm going to cut it off halfway through but here we go <laughs> Maybe you want to wake up. Maybe set that as your alarm for the morning. Be, I don't know how to do that. If somebody could show me how to do that, that'd be brilliant. Um, but yeah, the shofar, imagine how powerful that is. Just, you know, God's people just waking up and, ju- and just hearing that sound. God wants to stir up a new day in our lives, a new dawn. I didn't realize this until I walked in this morning, but there's the prayer of St. Bede on the wall out there. And, um, and part of the prayer of St. Bede says this Come and awaken us from the greyness of our apathy. Love it. It's just on the wall out there. Come and awaken us from the grayness of our apathy. Absolutely, 100% spot on. Some bead, well done. So, Isaiah 50, verse 4 says, uh, wake, God wakens me, uh, wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. And we see here in this, this short passage, Everyone being awakened and stirred up. And it says there the spirit of God. He stirred up the spirit of God in the, in the priest and in the ruler and in the people. And he talks of, of the people being a remnant. And the, for us the remnant sounds like you know, the bits left over after you've eaten all the juicy bits on the plate. You know, there, there's the remnant or the remnant of um, when everybody else has been chosen. Then there's the remnant there. But it's the opposite. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that. It means those who have been tested and found to be strong enough by God's grace to remain. That's you. That's me. All those setbacks, all those setbacks, and still we're here, worshipping God, because we're turning them into steps forward, because we are the remnant of God. And the word remnant is powerful. We are not the washed-up remnant of the old, but the mighty God-chosen beginning of the new. We are the beginning of the new. You are the beginning of the new. God doesn't finish with you. And in 2 Kings 19, verse 30, and also Isaiah 37, verse 31, it, it describes the remnant. It says this, talks about what happens with a remnant. It says, once more, a remnant, that's us, of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. Will take root below and bear fruit above. If you're going to bear fruit above, you need to take root below. We need to take root into God. Root ourselves into him. Be intentional, be single-minded about rooting ourselves into God and then we will bear fruit below. We won't be like one of these poisonous trees that that, that bears fruit but it's horrible and doesn't taste nice and it's all withered. When we, when we are rooted below, then imagine the fruit that we can bear above for God. So let's go, um, let's, let's plod on Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Um, and it says this, In the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the 7th month, right, we're in Athenim now, The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So the word ethanim um, means permanent flowing water. Do you love that? Permanent flowing water. It's from, um, it's kind of rooted they think in, in the noun etan and the verb yatan meaning to flow continuously. The Israelites had stopped flowing. They had stepped Sat back into their comfort zone, their panelled houses. God doesn't want static water in our lives or, or in our churches. He doesn't want us to stay still. We were not meant to be a lake, we were meant to be a river. In my, in my school field, it gets waterlogged at this time of year for about six months. And there's um, at some points there's ducks out there and all sorts of things because it's like it's used by the footballers sometimes. So that's a p- nightmare for them. Um, so the, the football club becomes a yachting club at c- certain points of the year. And it's just like this big, great pond there. And it's great. And the children get the wellies on because we do something called outdoor play and learning to get their wellies on. And they're jumping up and down in the puddles and getting soaked and wet with the rolling ones on. And, um, and my parents are great, they don't complain, so it's great. They go home soaking wet. And they just, just love it, and the ducks are there as well. But it gets to a certain point in the year when it begins to stink, so we have to barrier it off, because I think if anybody falls on that, they're off for six months at least, because um, it's just horrendous smell, because it's going nowhere. It stinks when it goes nowhere. It needs to flow. Water needs to flow. If it just sits still, it becomes stagnant. And it turns from being something wonderful to something dangerous, something nasty, something horrible. God doesn't want that for us. It needs to flow to have life. And at the beginning of this year, there was a picture of, um, and and this is a picture that's gone around the world actually, of a dam starting to to crack, starting to break, and a water starting then to flow out from that, flow out from that. Because the dam is just water standing still. If it doesn't go anywhere, what's the point of it? But the dam beginning to break and God breaking out. And, 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 that's, and it's so important that we, we listen to the prophets and be aware of, of how God is breaking out and what God is doing and be obedient to that. So th- then let's have a, a look at the, the next few verses. From verse 6, this is what the Lord Almighty says, in a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. So when God says, does it not seem like nothing to you, he's talking about the work of their hands so far that has stood still, and sometimes we can feel like it seems like nothing what God has done in our lives. There's a downheartedness, and, and, you know, he's being real. But he says three times, be fraught. Be strong. It reminds me of Joshua before Joshua goes into the promised land. Psalm twenty-seven was my, one of my favourite psalms. Was quoted every day in Alal at the beginning of Alal. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Etc. It's a powerful psalm. Memorise it. It talks there about being a stronghold. And then we see here this verse six to nine. This shaking. So whenever shaking appears in relation to God in the Bible, it's, it's speaking of his authority. So God is saying in this shaking, he says, once more I will assert authority. And I, and I love the bit there. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And many people say that we're talking there about Jesus. It's actually a plural word, so I think it is talking about Jesus. People think oh, I can't be Jesus, a plural word. Jesus is plural, you know. He is part of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That God will come in power. And what is desired, Jesus the Messiah will come. And then as we read further on, it says this the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. It's talking about Solomon's temple. It was glorious, Solomon's temple. I mean, it was so glorious was this house that they rebuilt because they do they go on to rebuild it was it better than that materially no it wasn't how how could god say that the glory of the present house would be greater than that amazing temple that solomon had and the reason he could say it's more glorious is because jesus is at the center of it because it's filled with god filled with the spirit of god it is about who inhabits the temple We are to be a habitation of the presence of God in our community. And I believe that this is one of the reasons God has led us to Haggai, because he's saying, I want a greater glory. And the glory I want is my presence within you. My presence within you is the only way that there will be a greater glory. It's not about building an amazing church. We are going to build an amazing church. That, that is going to happen at some point if we keep praying. <laughs> we are going to build an amazing physical church. It will be so good to have a place to be. But the glory comes from the presence of Jesus in our lives. That is the greater glory of God. So we're going to, we're going to pray in a moment. And, um, and I've really just glossed over things there. I mean... I, I'll just ask Dave Smith to turn his eyes away for a minute or two. That's how, that's how much you can get out of Haggai. And I've run out of room. I just need, I just need a little bit more room. There's just so much in it. So I'm going to ask you to get an old Bible and a pen and a highlighter and just get into Haggai because God is speaking. Speak. There are things you will find that I've not noticed when you get into it. Please tell me. I'll write it in the Bible. It's so exciting. So we've had a look at Elal, give careful thought to your ways. We've not finished with that. God wants us to come to a place where we're reflecting on our lives, and repenting with Him on those things we need to repent of and turning around. Because there's a new year. It's a new year, a new open door. And we've looked today at this month of Etanim, the seventh month, powerful month. And God is saying, wake up. Maybe get the shofar going in your house. Say, Lord, wake, wake up. Wake up from all of the grayness of our apathy. And let's begin to assume the authority that God has given us. And next week, we're going to look at the month of Kislev. And the month of Kislev is about hopes and dreams. It's about hopes and dreams. Why well, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to study that this week. It's been so, so good. So if you want to study with me, just, uh, just do that. that will be really good. And then when I preach next week, you can stand up and preach a bit more. That'd be okay. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you that you give us confidence in you. I thank you, Lord God, for that time of prayer beforehand, Lord, that Anyakin was leading us in. I mean, that's where you want us to be, Lord. You want us to be in a place where we can simply declare who we are in you. So wake us up, Lord, from the grayness of our apathy. Wake us up, Lord God, so that we can know and understand that there is ground to be won for you. And that we can win it. But we have to look up to you and see you, Lord, the desired of all nations. We ask that you would fill us, Lord, right now in your precious name. Wherever we are at the moment, Lord God, you want to do something beautiful. You want to do something amazing. And you are going to do it. And so we as a people want to be obedient to you and to your word. We come, Lord God, as we are in repentance and reflection. We return, Lord, to you. We are single-minded. We are single-minded. Father, just before we go into another short time of worship, we lift up those who are not here, we lift up our families to you. We lift up our friendships to you, Lord God. We lift up those who have maybe backslidden and turned away, Lord. We lift up those people that don't yet know you that we're praying for. We lift up before you our sons and our daughters, our husbands or wives, our parents, those in our family that don't yet know you or have known you or maybe do know you and and, and they've just lost their fire and their passion. We pray the shofar would be blown in their lives, Lord God. Bring an awakening, Lord God, in their lives. Bring an awakening in their lives, Lord God. And as we go into this time of worship, we carry them with us, Lord, into this time of worship, that you would be awakening them. And as we are awakened, Lord, I believe that there will be a ripple effect into their lives too. I believe, Lord, as you awaken in our lives, as we look to you, Lord, there will be a ripple effect into their lives. And we will see A greater glory than the former glory. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Liz.